This is episode 13 of One Page at a Time, From Reluctant Reader to Librarian, with Harold Hayes. Podcasting from Virginia and Dubai. This is One Page at a Time, where we bring you strategies and resources for using books in your home. We are your hosts, Jill and Amanda. So we have a really exciting interview. Today we are going to be talking to Harold Hayes. Who's Harold Hayes, Jill? Harold Hayes is my friend. He is awesome. He's fantastic. He is the director of my local public library. And he's also a friend, like I said. So he, when he first moved here, moved here without his family, they were still selling the house and making their way across the country to join him. So my husband and I, we invited him over for dinner. And the first time he ever came over to my house, he brought with him. So his name is Harold. He loves his name. He And he brought with him a copy of the book, Harold and the Purple Crayon for my kids Aww. as a present. And he brought a pack of crayons for each of them. And he sat down with them and he read them this story and he told them about his name and how he loves this book because it's about a boy named Harold, which has the same name as him. And my kids, this was well over a year ago, and my kids still love, love, love. In fact, almost two years ago, they still love this book. They have one part in particular, the boy Harold draws a hungry moose. And they love the moose part. They just wait and wait and wait. And then the moose comes and they just bust up laughing. Um, and this was the first time he ever came over to our house. And so he is a wonderful man and a wonderful librarian. Can I just say that I, that is the exact image of a librarian in my head. It's like what you want in a librarian when you invite them over for dinner. It's like, hey, here's a book. Here's some crayons. Let me enrich and enlighten your children. And I'm going to leave your home like uplifted because I am a librarian and I have power to do this (laughs) right isn't it wonderful it just makes me want to be that librarian when I grow up it's so endearing (laughs) and you know this interview he is just such a nice man I mean I don't I don't know him but I get I just I'm so excited for for you to hear this interview because of the ideas that he gives about public libraries. And I have to admit that I am a little bit jealous because I don't have access to public libraries here in Dubai. There really aren't libraries in the same sense. And I think that's, I don't know what the relationship of public libraries is on a global scale, but there are many countries that don't have public libraries. So if you are in that same situation like me, I'm so sorry. But if you are in a country or a location that has a public library close by, then this interview is going to give you some really good ideas. It really is. They, I am excited. We talk about how we can use libraries and um, hopefully there'll be some new ideas that you hadn't thought of before and give you that excitement to go check out your local libraries. Yeah. And even if you are in a country that doesn't have a local library, there's a little bit of background from Harold and how he began his reading journey that I think can resonate with 
every parent out there. I agree. I am te- I'm helping teach my son, my six-year-old, how to read, and we're having some struggles. And so there's some things from this interview that I'm going to go and, and use and apply today, starting as soon as he gets home from school. So this interview is going to help people, whether you have libraries in your area or not. Oh, awesome. I think that we should get on to the interview without further ado. I agree. Well, today we have a wonderful man as our guest, Harold Hayes. He's an advocate for literacy and the director of the Samuels Public Library in Front Royal, Virginia. Um, As kind of a personal note, I have to say that this is my local library, and my kids and I go there multiple times a week, and we absolutely love it. Um, It's Harold, you must be doing something right, and I'm so glad that you're with us today. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is really good to have you. So um, now most everyone that we interview for our podcast already has this love of books and reading, but you were able to turn your love of books and reading into a career. Now I'm I'm talking about your love of reading, Harold, but it didn't necessarily come easy to you. Is that right? Yes. Um, at the time, I'm, I'm 60 years old. So at the time when I was a young boy, we didn't have a lot of fancy titles or ways to refer to somebody who struggled the way I did, but I was at least a reluctant reader and had a very difficult time and didn't read at grade level until sometime in the sixth grade. So kind of what is the process that you went through? I know know that that was a struggle for you at sixth grade. I mean, that's what, 11, 12 years old. What happened in those 11, 12 years that that made it possible for you to still love those books and love reading? Well, um, a, a lot of things contributed. Um, but the first, I have to talk about my dear saintly mother. Um, she was unusual in that um, many mothers, of course, read to their children and something that we promote as librarians. But she read to us a lot and continued to read to us after we ourselves were reading always putting those stories out in front of us that captured our interest and therefore challenged our ability to read at a, at a higher and better level. At least initially, that wasn't where I was at. And of course, it affected things like my ability to perform in school and my grades, uh, because so many things are dependent upon reading. How can you do a story pro- problem in a class, uh, math class, if you can't read? Yeah. So mom read to us a lot. One example, which um, perhaps will help, is the summer between the fourth and fifth grade, we lived in the state of Wisconsin and we took a road trip down the Mississippi River. And the whole trip down, you have to realize this is a station wagon with five kids in it. So mom, if nothing else, is trying to keep the peace. Uh, But the whole way down, she is reading us the book Tom Sawyer. And of course, my reading skills at that point in time were not such that I could have read Tom Sawyer, or at least uh, if I had, I wouldn't have been able to get much from it. And um, so here she is reading Tom Sawyer to us. And where do we end our vacation? Hannibal, Missouri, and go through the museums. And ultimately, the cap for me was we went through the tour of the caves where Tom Sawyer has to escape Indian John. So those kind of experiences still very memorable to me and made uh, a huge difference in my desire to read and to learn to read. That's awesome. I remember um, when I when you were first telling me about this story, you said something that, that really made an impact on me, and I wrote it down because I wanted to remember it. You said, it kept good stories in front of me when I wasn't able to read them myself. 
And I yes. love that. I love that concept of of seeing my kids and, and seeing them. My oldest, he's six and he's learning how to read right now. And it's not coming super naturally to him, which is, has been kind of surprising for me. Here I am. I've read books my whole life and I've loved them and it came really naturally to me. So I expected that for him. And he's really struggling with it. And so I, when you said that, it was this aha moment for me where I, it doesn't need to be this frustration for me that I can help him and I can put those good stories in front of him, even though he's not able to read them himself right now. So your story really helped me kind of get that, that motivation and excitement to keep it a part of his life, even as he's going through this process. Well, I'm glad that she kept reading to you because yes. it has obviously worked. So what are what are kind of what are some of your turning points that you you came you said it was around sixth grade? I started sixth grade with Mr. Jones and he was my first male teacher, so he was very intimidating, of course. Kind of a scary moment when you start your first te- first year with a guy. But he did two things that are unusual in the in our schools today. And he had reading time in class. It wasn't a lot, I'm sure. I'm guessing it was probably 20 or 30 minutes, maybe on a Friday or something. Uh, but then we also had to do book reports, both written and oral. And so here I've got in Mr. Jones' class, one of our first things that he tells us about is this first book report that's due. And I'm guessing it was perhaps you know a couple of weeks down the road or a month down the road. And I had to read a book and I had to do a book report on it. And then I had to stand up in front of the class and tell him my book report. So I was scared to death, but I had a book that I had actually purchased at a used used book sale at a library, and um, it was a story about an Indian boy and his dog, and it was called Sunrise Island. It's long out of print. It wasn't a hugely popular book, but that was the first book I read for Mr. Jones in his book report, and it was a dog story, and, and something had clicked, or something began at that moment to click, this dog story and the adventures of this boy. And I started reading dog stories. And so, of course, I read Where the Red Fern Grows and Old Yeller and White Fang and Call of the Wild. And I kept harassing my poor school librarian for more dog stories. And at some point, she ran out. So then what was I going to do? And so somewhere literally in the process of a single year, that sixth grade year, and the start of my schooling the next year, I had gone from being somebody who really struggled with reading to literally reading adult literature because Jack London, the author of Call of the Wild, introduced me basically to adult literature. And I followed up with, I think uh, one of the first things I started was a series of short stories that was collected by him and basically read everything I could find by Jack London. And then what was I going to do? And so it just kind of morphed over the period of a year and I was I was reading and reading for myself. I think that is so wonderful that you were able to stick with it and you were able to kind of get over that hump and and that not only did the difficulties not ruin your love of reading, but you kept it up and turned it into a career. Um, so yes. I'm kind of curious how how that came about, how you went from this reluctant reader who was struggling for all those years to a, a librarian who now that is your life and your career. So um, I had a career out of college that kind of evaporated, dried up, kind of blew away. Um, job opportunities were basically not there after a fairly short period of time. And so my wife was 
had worked in libraries for years. And so we're like, where do I go? What do I do? I'm going to have to go back to school. I need to do something different. What shall I do? And between the two of us, we decided that a career in libraries was the way to go. And so my poor children, three children, they grew up with two parents as librarians. That is wonderful. I, as a librarian myself, I think I would have loved having a librarian as parents, but I'm sure the reality of it came with came with struggles as every teenager and child thinks about their parents. Well, they, they not only knew at least one present they were getting every birthday and Christmas, but hopefully expected a book. Definitely. I would expect nothing less from two librarians. So I'm curious, what is your favorite thing about working at a public library? You know, uh, public libraries are very much service oriented. You know, we're, we're trying to help those people that come through our doors. So in the biggest sense of the of the to look at that question is it's we like to really think that we're helping people. Um, it could be somebody like myself, a young boy who struggles with reading. It could be somebody who comes in and needs a way to fill out an online job application. But but we have this variety of services that we offer. Uh, many of them are tied in with uh, literacy or reading, but uh, we go much further than that, of course. But uh, I think the most favorite thing I have about libraries is in that service model, you always get to solve these little mysteries. People come in with questions, they can't find an answer, and we're going to find them that answer. And it's going to be the right answer. I actually really love hearing that because as as patrons of a library or as a patron of a library, I find sometimes that I feel like I'm inconveniencing the librarians when I come to these programs and that I'm that I'm making their lives harder by coming with my crazy three children and that, you know, I'm just gonna try and make as small a footprint on the library as I can and, and try and just get in and get out. But to hear that that's one of your favorite things is to help people solve their problems and to interact with them. And that's what the librarians are there for. That makes me feel like I want to go and use those librarians and use their expertise and ask them my questions and, and have my kids ask them questions and have them help and, and have my kids learn that that's what the librarians are there for. Well, thank you for that. But I have to point out one thing, and I, I may be giving something away here, but you're obviously not old enough to remember shushing libraries. And, and libraries aren't, aren't places where um, absolute quiet is necessary anymore. We're actually much more vibrant and dynamic than that. And we love to see children come in our libraries with all their noise and running around and craziness. We, of course, hope that we keep a lid on it. But nevertheless, we'd love to see those children come in. Definitely. And I have definitely felt that as as I've started taking my kids or um, to the library and that libraries are a place where they want those kids. And, and more and more, I feel like libraries are creating spaces for kids to be themselves and to feel like they can be themselves and not feel like they have to not feel like they have to, to keep the lid on it, like you said, but also be in a place with all these books and love of reading. Um, so I really I love that. And I know you said that to me while I was actually at the library and I was like, okay, good. Cause my kids are really crazy. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, it doesn't mean that there is behavior that, um, goes too far, but usually you'll find that librarians are, are very willing to work with parents and, 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 and make it so that those kids are comfortable, even though we may have to say something at some point, if, if things get too out of yeah. hand. Yep, and that's it's 
like all things, I feel like a good place to teach kids that balance. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The library is a great place to learn some of those social norms. That's uh, a big part of what happens in story times. Yes. Yes, definitely. Now, speaking of story times, um, the exact programs and resources and everything for each library is going to vary depending on what your library is and where you are. But you, I know, have worked at a lot of different libraries, so you might have a good idea about this. So what kinds of resources can parents and, and other caregivers find at libraries to help them encourage a lot of love of reading in their kids? Uh, uh, most libraries will offer some form of a story time. Uh, and, and it's a great opportunity for kids to uh, see somebody else modeling the kind of behavior hopefully their parent is modeling. And it's also a great way for a parent to um, see how that uh, is done, see that modeled uh, in front of a group of kids and perhaps be able to improve their own skills in, in doing so. Uh, so we, we like to think that um, story times are pretty found pretty much in most libraries and that they serve a lot of purposes, of which we've talked a little bit about. Um, but uh, uh, obviously books, um, there are uh, books on tape, usually as a kit with a book, are, are usually commonly found in libraries. Uh, and of course, now I say tape, I, I'm, I'm giving away my age, more often now a CD. Um, but the, uh, that allows a child to read along with the story as they're looking at the book, uh, something that might help somebody who uh, does have difficulty reading. That's awesome. One of the things we have at our library that is in a number, is certainly not everywhere, once again, looking at those kids who might be struggling with reading, Books for Bark is one of the titles that is commonly used, uh, but it's where children come in and read to a trained service dog so that the there's no worries about their behavior in public, the dogs. Um, but anyway, the, they, they found in clinical studies that these children who might be struggling and have to, if, if they were being asked to read out loud in their class or intimidated, they'll sit down and read in front of a dog without even thinking twice about it. And they're building their skill set as they do that. And so that's just an, uh, one that you won't find everywhere. But if you do and you have a child that would benefit and loves dogs, it's a great, great way for them to to, to work on this. That one sounds so cool. I think I've seen posters and things for it at our library about we haven't been before. So I might need to check that one out. Oh, it's fun. Some of those dogs are just amazing. Uh, and they, they really are kid-friendly dogs that we have come in. And we probably have, it, it varies from week to week, but uh, we have anywhere from three to six dogs in at a time. And there might be one or two kids with each dog typically. That's awesome. Can you think of any, I know that I, when I think of library programs, I generally think of those story times and, and the things for sort of younger kids, but I, I worry sometimes about keeping my kids' interest and engagement in books and libraries when they're older. Um, are there things that, that libraries can offer, whether it's programs or resources or things for these older kind of teenager age kids? Yeah, um, resources uh, and the level of programming, of course, will vary from library to library depending on uh, the, the financial resources available to the library. But uh, I'll talk about the library that I'm at currently right now. Um, so we offer programming to all ages, including teens. We offer, we try to offer as wide a variety of programming as our budget allows. For example, we're able to do some STEM programming for those kids who are in um, either late grade school or early middle school years. We, we have some STEM programming, science, technology, engineering, and math. 
that helps target some of those kids that perhaps don't enjoy reading as much as maybe getting their hands dirty uh, uh, with, with some technology. We also offer technology, so we have computers available. Uh, once again, different libraries will have different levels of technology available. There might be just a handful of computers or there might be some STEM-related items that can be used by, by the patrons. I know I've seen when we've gone a couple times, I've seen you guys have a 3D printer out that kind of shows the kids yes. how that works. Yes. And I know my son, our six-year-old, is fascinated by that when it's out. He loves to watch it in action. And it's it's uh, it's one that really does garner attention. It's uh, We're fortunate enough, the one that we purchased, it has clear sides so they can see everything going on the whole time. Yes, which is why they love it. So, And I know, like you said, every library is going to have different resources, but, but I'm hoping to just give people an idea of what the possibilities are and, and give them that excitement and motivation to look into their libraries that they have in their area and see what kind of programs they have that they can that they can take advantage of and and put put all this passion that librarians have to use well and i can also put in a little plug there is librarians are also always looking for volunteers part of the way that we're able to do the amount of programming we have at this particular library i work at today is because we have volunteers that come in and help either with the programs directly or perhaps doing some of that a um, little bit more um, mundane work that frees up a librarian to be able to do more programming. That's wonderful. And it's such a good idea as well. And something that maybe a whole family could get involved in with as their kids get to those older ages. Yeah, we have um, quite a number of teens that volunteer in our children's department. I'm sure you've seen them. Yes, I have. I've seen them. They've helped my kids. They are great with my kids. So you've got good volunteers as well. Yes. And, and you know, for any librarians that might be hearing this, if you ever have wondered if the cost-benefit ratio of having volunteers is worth it? My answer is a hearty yes. Yes, you have to train them. And yes, they go away and they have to train the new ones, but it's worth it. I agree for the library and the volunteer. I feel like that would be a wonderful chance for that volunteer to to be involved and learn and, and grow. Usually our volunteers are there because they see the library as a, a valuable asset to the community and they feel that their volunteering is benefiting the community, not just perhaps the individual they're talking to at the moment. Yeah. So yes. All right, Harold, I actually have a question that I forgot to ask you earlier. So if you don't mind, would you mind if we go back quickly? And I'm going to come back to your your story about your own journey in reading. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so now as somebody who has gone through the struggle with reading yourself. Um, I was wondering what advice you have for parents or caregivers of children who are struggling with reading. So there are a number of authors out there, but one of the most prominent and early authors uh, who talked about this subject was a man named Jim Trelease. And he has written several books, and I heartily recommend you look at some of those. Uh, But what he talks about was what my mother demonstrated, and that is to continue reading to children even after they themselves begin to read, to put that challenge out in front of them of what's still there for them to look forward to. That's wonderful. And I, that's definitely one that I want to, want to look into and, and keep motivating me to help this little struggling six-year-old that I have keep his love of books. Yes. And, you know, the key there, uh, you're, you're talking about a six-year-old who's um, very, very active and, and sometimes sitting down with a book is 
perhaps not what they thought of as being what they wanted to do at the moment. So a big part of what a parent needs to do is find those subjects that interest them. And there's always something, you know, with young boys, for example, oftentimes dinosaurs is a is a pretty easy one, but it might not be dinosaurs. It might be, uh, you know, historical narratives. Maybe they want to hear about the Titanic. Yes. One thing that surprised me is my my son, the six-year-old, likes nonfiction books. And I am a big fiction lover. I love stories. I love imagination. And I love storybooks. So when I was picking the books, I was always picking storybooks. And as he got a little older, he gravitated towards those reference and nonfiction books. And so now that's where we get the bulk of his books are. And that was different for me. And that was something that I had to kind of readjust my my train of thought when it comes to checking out library books. So that is a really good point as well. Yeah, as a parent, we have to learn to um, avoid that kind of situation, this stereotype at Christmas, you know, you gave me the gift you wanted. We need to make sure we get the books that they want, not the books that we want. <laughs> yes, I definitely agree. Well, Harold, is there any anything else that we have one more question for you, but is there is there anything else that you you would like to add? So let me share another story about my mother and reading to us. So one of the things that we did as a family was we would crack walnuts. The cheapest way to get walnuts from the orchard was still in their shell. My father would crack the nuts. Us children would separate the meats and the, sh- the nut meats in the shell. And uh, when we filled a teacup, we got a little piece of candy. And it was a little piece of candy. But the whole time, mom read to us. So we'd spend an evening around this big table cracking nuts. And uh, one of the stories she read us was a story called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I realize it's an old story now. And many, many people, of course, have seen the movie. But it's just a fascinating story. And for you adults out there, the author is none other, and it's his only children's story, the author is none other than Ian Fleming, the man who wrote the James Bond stories. James Bond for kids. We loved it. I did not realize that he wrote (laughs) Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That is... And illustrated it. No way. Yes. I had no idea. It's still a fun story. Obviously dated, you know, period-wise, but... uh, it is, but it's a wonderful story and a great one to keep kids' interest in. I actually love that idea. I hadn't really thought about that, reading to my kids while we do work around the house and, and using yes. that time. I love that. It, 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 it kept, you know, once again, we were five kids. It kept the squabbling down or the, you know, picking on each other or something. You know, it, it distracted us. And so the, the actual chore we were doing was fairly mundane, separating the walnuts from the shells So it kept our minds engaged. That's wonderful. All right. Well, I have my last question for you. Now on here, our whole purpose of our podcast is to give parents and to give caregivers a whole arsenal of of ways and things that they can do to keep books in their lives and in their kids' lives. And so my question is, what is your one suggestion this week for families to take away from our chat today? I know it's probably counter to almost everything that young moms face in our culture today, but sometimes, occasionally, turn off the electronic devices, be it a phone or a TV or a computer, and try reading a book. Reading out loud. I love that. I love it. Yes, we, reading, reading out loud to your children. I love it. We, well, I'm going to go ahead and go read aloud to my kids. You've, you've inspired me and you've encouraged me. So thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you for having me. I guess the other thing I could say is go visit your public library. Definitely. I will back you up on that one. Thank you so much, Harold. Thank you. What a great idea to bring your children to the library if they're older and let them serve their community in that way and to build a relationship with books and with a community. I just, Harold is an outstanding guy. <laughs> he really is. We, he, if he ever sees us walking up the sidewalk from his office window, he always comes out of his office to say hi to my kids. And there's just something about getting to know your librarians and, and letting your kids have that connection. And, and my kids know several of the librarians by name at our library. And I feel like that makes them more comfortable and more excited and happy to go to these libraries. And so like Harold was saying, you know, use these librarians. They love helping people. You are the whole reason that they do what they do. The library patrons are the reason. And so, you know, go get your kids used to these libraries. And then as they get older, like you said, have them volunteer, have them help out and really feel an ownership of that work that they do there at the library. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I really, I don't know that I would say I was scared of the library, but when you walked in, there was just this kind of weird smell and I didn't, I certainly didn't know any of the librarians or anyone working there, but it was kind of this like sterile feeling and it was that kind of hush hush environment where you had to be really quiet and you know, they had this summer reading program and that was about the only thing that we ever got involved with in our um, local public library. We had the school library, but I had a friend who started volunteering at the library and her experience was just so different from mine. And I just, I don't know. I feel like libraries are such a, a you get what you want from them, I guess. And so if you, if you try, you know, <laughs> you'll, you'll be able to find all of these amazing resources. I agree. I so, so agree. And I am always so, I'm, I'm partly shocked and partly excited when I find a friend who hasn't been to the library yet. I'm shocked because I'm like, how do you live here and not go to the library? We have this amazing library. You need to use it. But I'm also excited because I get to introduce them to the wonders that are waiting for them at the library. And I have yet to have a friend who has gone with me to the library and not loved it. So it is, you will love it. If you want your kids to read, if you want them to love books, and you have a public library around you, then it is definitely a, a necessary source to use. Yeah, and I think that our attitude could be a lot of what our kids take away from it too. So if we go to the library and we're apprehensive like I was, you know, <laughs> as a kid, then definitely our kids are definitely going to see that. But if we're confident and you know, treat it as an adventure and finding books and, oh, let's find out what programs I have and let's explore. Maybe go before, um, just go alone without your kids and check out your library and see what it's like. Um, Harold had, had recommended Definitely. to go to your library if you, if you don't go. So I, I would do that. Definitely. And I, you know, he was, he was talking about, you know, the thing he loved working about working at public libraries was helping people answer their questions. And so something that I've been 
wanting to do with my kids is they're really good at looking up books on the computer to find on the shelves, but I want to start having them talk to the librarians and asking the librarians for help and using it as this chance to to voice some of their interests and really put into words what they're looking for and find that exact specific perfect book for them. Ooh, gold star for you. That's an awesome idea. I'm saying I want to do it. I haven't done it yet. So hold off on that gold star. I'll let you know how it goes when we start doing it. But that's definitely something I've been thinking about. Okay, gold star pending for you. Yeah. I love it. Gold star pending indeed. Well, I I am going to take Harold's advice to read aloud to your kids very seriously. We have gotten so out of the habit of doing very much reading just from summer and everything. And so when we're recording this, I am a hot mess as far as our reading routines go. So I'm going to be focusing on that this week and making sure that we, um, that I, that I just read with each of my kids individually this week. I think that's probably going to be my, my goal inspired from Harold. So I think that's a wonderful and that's something that we can all do, whether we have a public library nearby us or not, is we can go and we can read it's aloud. True, and hopefully that'll, you know, with time, that'll foster the love of reading that will turn all of our children into librarians someday. <laughs> someday. Someday. <laughs> well, if you like our podcast, One Page at a Time, please don't forget to subscribe click that little subscribe button and tell a friend about it we are going to continue to be uh, publishing more episodes once a week so hit the subscribe button so that you are up to date on all things one page at a time and we will see you next time see you next time ready oh that was kind of fun All right, I'm going to stop the recording.